Welcome back to the Animation Industry Podcast. My name is Terry, and one time I almost got run over by a truck. Today I'm chatting with Lila Martinez, an incredible storyboard artist who shares her journey from pursuing animation in Mexico and then doing whatever it took to become a storyboard artist in the US. Over the years, she's storyboarded on The Simpsons, American Dad, Netflix's Duck Duck Goose, among many other projects, and now she's a storyboard artist at Disney Television Animation. Plus, she recently was a panelist on the Latin Accent Animation storyboarding session with Walt Disney Studios, which just happened last month. Now, in our chat, she's gonna share how she picked up the specific skills she needed to make it in both feature and TV storyboarding, the differences between working on children's and adult comedies, how she's landed some really big roles over the years, plus the mentality she took to pursue and achieve her goals no matter what and with whatever resources she had at the time, plus her top tips to make your dreams a reality too. So now, without further ado, let's dive in. Hi, Lila, how are you doing? Thanks for coming on the podcast. I'm very good, Terry. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, well, I'm really happy to chat with you uh, because I think you have a really interesting journey and story. And, uh, you know, I love hearing more about storyboarding because that's something that I do all the time for my school assignments. So I want to pick your brain. But first, okay. I, I want to hear where it all began for you. Um, well, it began in my case uh, since I was a little girl, since I was, I don't know, seven, nine years old. Um, I always liked drawing like any kid. I mean, every kid is an artist until they, they take it away. Um, but it was one Sunday morning that uh, I was with my siblings, really with the, the TV was just playing on the background. It's not that we were really paying attention to it. My sister was doing her own. She was at college at that time. She was doing homework or stuff like that. And, um, and they were playing a Tech Savory special. And, uh, and they were showing how the, a little bit about the animation process, how they study the movement and, and stuff like that. So they were recording a woman with a long dress and the tail of the dress was going to be similar to the tail of a lizard. And, uh, and my sister, she just stopped for a minute, looked at the TV. And she said, oh, wow, animation is really a true art form. And, uh, and that just stayed with me. I mean, before that, of course, I loved cartoons and I grew up with the, uh, the renaissance of animation. And I, I watched the same Disney movie over and over again. But it was really Tex Avery special that made me realize that I wanted that to do that for my life. Um, right Right after that, I went with my mom to a library and um, I'm sorry, to a bookstore. And they had this huge book, The Art of Walt Disney Animation. And, um, and my mom, I, I told her I wanted it and she was very nice and she bought it for me. And I started reading it and it was so complex because I mean, you think cartoons, do you, you think it's something easy and it's something that you turn on the TV and it's right there. Um, either TV or, or movies. But when I started reading out, reading that book and they were explaining about the, the pioneers of animation and the pioneers in Disney animation as well and how they were pure artists, how they were highly trained in fine art and how uh, they will approach uh, Da Vinci and Michelangelo and all the Renaissance masters into 
their own cartoons. So when I started reading about it, I realized it's so animation is so much more. It is a pure art form um, than just simply cartoons. And I just fell in love with it. Um, and, um, and I knew I wanted that for a living. Like every time from my classmates that they don't know, you don't know what to do with your life. I always knew I wanted animation, but the problem was in Mexico back then, um, late nineties, early two thousands, there were no, there was no training. Actually, I didn't even know there was a career in animation until, uh, North American schools went to visit Mexico. And I went to that, um, university fair and I realized there was uh, um, that you could you could study three four years of animation just like that um, but the problem is when I started researching the schools and the universities they were impossible to pay for us because um, in Mexico another thing is we have a different currency uh, the Mexican peso is very weak against the American dollar or the Canadian dollar and the schools are normally more expensive for foreigners than for locals like UCLA and, and all those. Um, I mean, they, they will have programs for the people that live in the States, but, but not for the foreigners. So there was no way, like there was a little bit of chat here and there with my father, but th there was no way for us to yeah. afford that. So I did the closest thing that was graphic design um, so I learned to do a little bit of illustration, but it's mostly, I mean, you know, logos and, yeah. um, in, Me in Mexico, you chose graphic design in Mexico. Yes. Yeah. yeah because you, you need to keep going. I mean, yeah. I knew I wanted animation, but uh, there was no way for me to study it. I think, uh, I think that's a really interesting point. Um, first of all, I think it's amazing that w one comment from your sister changed the trajectory of your life. But I mean, for me growing up in Canada, even in seeing the cost of places like Sheridan College, and that was a huge challenge. And I'm I'm only attending now because you know later in my life I've I've worked for a decade and have some savings. Um, but I get this question all the time from people who you know they they have this passion and they even from other countries and they look at the prices and there's just no way. So I'm I really want to kind of you you mentioned you have to keep going. So you chose graphic design, and I I want to figure out what was going through your mind to to choose that and go for it no matter what even with those big obstacles well I, I wanted I knew I wanted to draw you know mm -hmm. I, I knew I wanted and and I thought the most commercial thing I could do was graphic design but they really don't teach you drawing as much as I thought they they were going to and I always get my mind in animation. I took a couple of classes here and there but I mean they really don't teach you I did some animation with with clay and uh, but they're all clunky I mean if you try to I don't know if you try to learn animation by yourself I don't know who's able to do that but I was I wasn't able although I try and I tried hard and it was in college because um, um, what what at, at some point I thought okay um, what's stopping me and and the money was a big it was a it was really what was stopping me I thought, okay, I need education and how can I get it? I need to pay for it. And it was in college that I met one guy that he mentioned about Vancouver Film School that is a one year intensive program. So I researched that school and I was, okay, so maybe, maybe one year is more possible than three or four years that includes rent and food and everything. So I'm like, okay, so the, the goal 
seemed a little bit more reachable uh, if I go to that school, but still I didn't have the money. I called the school. They told me we don't give any scholarships so you, and you have to pay in advance. So I was like, okay, so there you go, right? Um, and then I met also in college a woman that... Um, a very cocky girl that uh, that she was a model and she was saying how much money she was making and uh, and when i looked at her i was like well you know she's not that tall she's not that pretty she's she's kind of bland and she's making all this money and and i was like okay maybe that's that's the way that i can do it so i started again i i went by myself like nobody told me where uh, how to knock on doors, like how to prepare the, the photos and everything. But uh, I started like really raw. Um, but I, I modeled for about two years and I saved every penny to pay for Vancouver Film School. And, uh, and I did it. I was able to, to pay for the tuition. I moved to Canada to study for that year. And when I was there, I couldn't believe it. Like the first day, so I was like, I, I really did it. Like yeah. something that I thought it was unreachable and I really did it. And after that, um, everybody that was graduating, they were getting a job right away, like right out of school. It was a great time. So you, you get your hopes up. It's like, okay, maybe I, I, after this, I will get a job. But then it was the end of 2007 and it, the 2008 crisis hit and it hit the US and I and it also affected Canada. So even my teachers lost their job and they were amazing artists artists. So there is there was no way for me to compete against them. So um I'm just wondering when you were in school, like you know, you had so much passion and drive and you worked so hard to take this one year intensive course. Did you notice a difference between how you were studying and maybe other students were studying who didn't have to work so hard to get in? Like I'm just picturing you like putting like going so hard at it in this program because it because it mattered so much. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I was definitely I was one of the hardest uh, workers on, on my class. Um, my class was kind of mixed. It wasn't that um, I think the youngest one was 18 and the oldest one was 30. So it was a good mix. Uh, most people. Honestly, most most of us, we had to work before to mm. save the money to pay for Vancouver Film School versus um, a, a, a kid from the UK that his father paid for it. And he kind of felt guilty that it was so hard for us to pay for our, our education. But every story is different. Um, and the class above me, they were in their 40s. Like that was a, a, a class that they were older people and the class before us, they were very, very young and they were kind of a mess. So every class was different. Wow. But, um, but yeah, definitely you can tell the people, even the classes when they graduated, we, we attended one grad and the, the short films were so crappy. And we got afraid. We were like, are we going to grad with that? Like that ugly piece? But then the teacher told us that that class, they didn't follow instruction properly and they were kind of lazy. So that's what you get. If you want something good, you have to put the time and the effort. Yeah. So, th so then the 2008 crisis hit and uh, what, what happened to you? So I had to go back to Mexico and then I hit a wall and I, that existential crisis that you don't know what to do because it's okay. I... I had a goal, I, I got it, and now what? 
Now, yeah. now what, what, what do I do? Because in Mexico, there was no animation industry or it, it was very, very little. But there was a project, um, there was a famous stand-up comedian and his son, he used to do uh, um, web design. So he created this project of animating the jokes of the stand-up comedian that he recorded back in the 80s. So I contacted them and I went to visit the, the office and they were like, okay, you, you're hired. Oh, nice. So yeah, it was really nice. Um, so I, I was there for a year and a half until, the thing is this comedian, he became famous because he will make the jokes longer and longer and longer. So at the end, they were impossible to animate, especially for just one person. And VFS, they trained me well because I did everything. I, they will only give me the recording and I will do the, the character design, background design, storyboard animation, and I will deliver the final, final piece. Oh, wow. it, was, it was one of the partners that talked to me and he told me that you didn't sleep last night, you didn't sleep for two nights in a row, so you, you can't keep doing this. Like, if you keep doing this, you're going to end up in the hospital. I love you and I love that you work for us, but, but we, are, we run out of material that is possible to, to animate. So, so I had to leave and it was a, a job that I really loved doing. So, so I left that place and something better came up. I, I mean, I, I, you always keep networking and meeting people. And a guy told me, oh, I'm working on this movie. Why don't you come to visit the studio? So I went to visit the studio. They were working on a traditionally animated movie and, uh, they asked me, do you have a portfolio? I had my website. Like I really didn't go to ask for a job and they told me, okay, so can you start tomorrow? So I also got that job uh, very easy. And uh, they were at the end of the movie. Uh, I worked there for a couple of months, but still I went back to animate on paper and that was great. After that wrapped up, um, I started getting freelance job jobs and then I created my own brand and I made a a service bureau. Um, I, I ran my own company with a um, with a partner of mine. So we we did a lot of commercials and um, and then Vancouver Film School. They offered me a scholarship to study CG. So Wait, they said they don't do scholarships. <laughs> yes, but later they realized it was Realize. a good. You know, after they started doing scholarships for anniversaries, like if it was the 20th anniversary or the mm -hmm. 25th anniversary. So they offered me half of a scholarship to study CG. And, yeah. uh, and I realized, well, now, now the world is CG, so maybe I should study it. And uh, I went back. That was 2012. Um, I love animation, but the technical part of rigging and the IEIs is just really not for me. Like I really wanted to blow up the computer. Um, but I do realize in that time that story was my strength because mm. even classmates came close to me to ask me, hey, what do you think about this? How should I tell this? So they realized that I was good telling stories. Um, again, Immigration is a little, it's a little bit about timing. So back then, they were not hiring foreigners because Canada was giving back taxes if you hired a Canadian. So technically, like so you, if they hire a foreigner, they lose money. 
So it's, it was harder to get. And um, so there, there, I couldn't stay again. I went back to Mexico. Fortunately, my clients, they were still waiting for me. They, they still like my work. So I, I, I came back with the same clients and more clients. And the, and the company kept growing. We kept getting uh, bigger and better projects and better paid. But, um, but, but there was something missing. Like, yeah, I was paying my bills, but I was not totally fulfilled. And there was one day that I was making a storyboard for a Frito-Slay commercial about peanuts. And I was talking to my client on one hand and, and I was drawing with the other one uh, about the, the changes that, you know, I like the skirt red. I, now I want it pink. Now I want it blue. I was like, this is going to be film. Like you can do, you can choose the whatever color you want the day you film, but you have to do the changes they ask. So that day I realized I'm, this is not working. Like something, something is missing. And um, I started researching like how to do a proper portfolio. And I ran into a blog of a teacher of Vancouver Film School that she used to teach storyboarding. And funny enough, she wasn't my teacher. She taught after I left, but she left a very good advice. And she said, find the thing that you are really good at and aim for that first instead of what you want. Like if there, if what you want and, and you're good at is the same thing, then then you rock and that's awesome. But if you're better at something else, aim for that as long as you put your foot in the door. Could, so could you clarify like what you're good at versus what you want. Like what is an example of what you want? I thought I wanted animation. I thought I wanted to be an animator and I love animating. Don't get me wrong, but I'm way better at, at story. Gotcha. Like story is really my strength. So when I read that, that just uh, like a piece of a puzzle, just um, find its place. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm better in storyboarding. I, so, I'm sorry, I like that because what you want is kind of just a fantasy, right? It's not, it's not, it's not reality in the present. It's like a, it's like a, a goal that you think you want to work towards. Sometimes it is. Yeah. But if you're good at something, that's, that's like, a strength that you have right now that you can focus on that can potentially lead to that thing that you want as well, or to a, a different path. Like you said, you wanted to start off animating and now, you know, are, are you doing much animation now? I know you're doing a lot of storyboarding. <laughs> well, now storyboarding has changed a lot since, um, since, the sub, since the software allows you to do a lot of stuff the studios, they want you to do more stuff. Like the software idea is for you to save you time, but they will ask more and more. So now a lot of studios, they want you to basically animate or key post the characters. So I kind of do, I think I have the best of both worlds because I still feel that I have the fun out of it because animating, like CG animating, when you do the key poses, that's a fun part. But then when you polish the movement is so boring yeah. um so the key posing is fine um but i haven't animated since geez maybe five years was the okay. last animation i did um yeah it's been i've been focusing more on camera and storytelling and also when i was doing one of the movies in mexico and i was an animator there uh the story wasn't good and no matter how good of an animator you are, 
you won't be able to fix it. Yeah. And the story for me is everything. I mean, obviously the performance and the art and the colors, but, uh, but if the story is not there, you're really not going to have a very good movie. And you have very little power as an animator, but if you are a story person, you can really make it better and you can really make it work. So it was like a, a little bit um, added to another for me to, to be where am I right now. So going back to that blog, um, I focus everything on storyboarding and there was this um, uh, conference in LA in, in animation. So um, I, I built my portfolio and also a friend of mine, because I was debating if I should put a, uh, a table or not. And what he told me, I told him, the thing is, I'm not ready. And he told me, you will never be ready. You will never feel ready. So he told me, just go. Like, if you have a crappy portfolio, go and show your crappy portfolio and you will get good notes out of it. So I followed that advice and, um, and I met... Um, I met a lot of people that gave me a, a great feedback and I met my producer for the movie that I moved to LA. Uh, she was a producer on Shrek and, uh, and she saw my portfolio and honestly, she didn't like it. And she said, oh, this, this is too TV. I need it to be more feature. And, and you really don't understand what they mean. So I just throw a couple of names of artists I knew. And she told me, oh yeah, I hired that one. I said, okay, so I'll aim for for his quality, let me let me do a test for you. Let me show you something aiming for what you're looking for. So she wrote her email um, on a piece of paper and um, I came back to Mexico. I contacted her and she did send me the test and she sent it to me when I was on a trip. So I was like, shoot, is my, my opportunity is going to go, go away. So I spoke up and I told her I'm, I'm on a trip. Can, can this wait? And she was like, oh yeah, yeah, no rush. Just make sure that you don't put more than 40 hours on the test. Like it has to be a week of work. Um, so I finished my trip, I came back to Mexico and I put everything I had on the test and I really pushed the story because my, my drawing skills were not there to be honest. Like now they are, but back then they weren't. Uh, but I really pushed the story and they really liked it. So she called, she emailed me back and she asked me, are you still in LA? Because I would like you to pitch the story to us. And oh. if you're not, and if you're not in LA, uh, let's just do a pitch, a, a virtual pitch, just using Skype or it was Skype by then. And I said, well, I'm not in LA, but I can be. When do you need me there? So I took a plane. And I flew to LA just to pitch her um, that test. And in that meeting, I met her her partner, the other producer, and the director of the movie. So, um, so it went really it went really great. Like I was sweating before I, I entered that place. Like I was so nervous. And wait, when wait, I wait, said, so she offered to meet over Skype, and you said, "I'll I'll take a plane and meet you yes. in person." That's yes. Incredible. First of all, I want to backtrack a little bit. So I don't know how many times, you know, I've met somebody and been like, here's my art style. And they're like, cool, but it doesn't fit what we do. You took that as an opportunity to say, because you really, you really, I mean, it sounds like you're a very driven person. You no, really, I really what she, you know, to work with her and work on the films that she was making. So mm -hmm. you said, give me your email. 
I will match a style of somebody who already works for you because I, I really want to do this. And, and be, like, I'm just wondering how many times, you know, I've come across people that are like, oh, cool, here's my email. And then you, you try to follow up and then nothing happens. So like what made that connection extra special, I guess? Um, I think what, there is a thin line of being desperate and being passionate yeah, I was desperate, but I think she saw the passion. <laughs> um, Back and she, ask her. She gave me the chance. She yeah. she really uh, she gave me the chance, and and it was a good timing. Uh, also, I knew because I I was investigating about the immigration for both Canada and the U.S. Um, when I went to the meeting, she asked me, so what do we need to do? And I said, just, just leave it up to me. Like, I know exactly what type of visa I need. I, I just need you to sign this type of paper and that's it. So I made, I made it easier for them because when, every time that you talk about immigration, they get scared and they say no. Um, so my advice is just get the job first and then mention that you need, need the visa because if you put that first thing on the table, that that's the kiss of dead that's some that's some good risky advice <laughs> uh, so why did you take a plane ride and meet her in person versus over skype why did you feel that was necessary i feel that an interaction in person is very different and i felt like really pitching in person was going to give a different impression mm -hmm. so i looked at it as an investment and every time I came to LA to the animation conventions, I also like, I didn't, it's not that I, I mean, I was paying my bills, but I was not making a ton of money. So the way that I approach things is I, I will use my credit card and then I will pay it off and then I will invest in something else. And that includes my computer, my Cintiq and the, uh, these animation events. So um, I just, thought about it like a, an, another investment and it did pay it off um but yeah, yeah when I when I stepped out of that meeting I was like does this really happen are they really going to hire me and nothing I mean they don't tell you oh yeah you're hired right there like I felt it went really well and I felt it could lead to something else and just the feeling that it went well and the the chance that maybe I could make it to LA was just uh, wonderful yeah so how long was it between that meeting and them hiring you? Honestly, not that long, maybe two or three months, no more than that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, um, I got an email from them and they asked me, so what do we need to, to get you here? I sent um, the papers that I needed. Uh, they put me in contact with their lawyer. I went to the embassy, got the visa and, uh, and yes, I started working also when she called me to offer me the job she told me we like we are trying to get this movie so we have money for five months and i want to be very clear with you like i'm offering you five months of work if we get greenlit maybe it will get extended but i want to be very clear with you and i said yeah sure i'll, I'll take it and um those five months, they I ended up working for that company for a year and a half, a little bit more of a year and a half, because uh, then they had other productions, they had other movies, and uh, and they moved me around. So, and I thought, as long as I'm in LA, I will make more connections. I will knock on other doors, like they will see me in person, and maybe I can stay. So, 
also, I was reading a lot of books that we don't, as artists, we really don't read about business and how to take care of the business and how to take care of uh, time management and, and money. And, uh, and one of them, it says like money is power. So you really, I needed to make sure that I had enough in the bank to, yeah. to whenever I lose my job, I could survive. So I was very, very careful with that. And, um, but, but yeah, I mean, animation, it comes and go. The, the jobs, it's not a steady job. It's real, really, you have to love it because it's not, it's not a safe life or a safe job to have. You really have to love it. So after the movies wrapped up, um, I started, I, I knew we were wrapping up. So I started looking for jobs and there was another animation convention. So I went there and um, David Silverman from The Simpsons, he gave a talk. And then there was the, you know, the meet and greet afterwards. And, uh, and I was waiting in line just to get, I think they, they offered tacos just to get some food. And I was with a couple of friends showing them my portfolio, what I was building to ask for jobs. And David Silverman was like two steps away from us and he saw my work and he stepped in and he told me, hey, that, that, that storyboard is really nice. And I said, well, actually I'm looking for a job and I gave him my card. So I found him on LinkedIn I, because these people, they are very busy. Like they're not going to call you you really have to chase them down in a decent, not annoying way. So I contacted him and he gave me the right person I needed to, to contact to the what animation you, studio. So you, you found him on LinkedIn and sent him a message? Yes. What, what do you say when you're trying not to be annoying, but decent, like you said? <laughs> well, according to our previous conversation on this event, uh, I would like to do, I, I would love to work on the show. Like if there is who's the right person to talk to. Like, really, I don't remember right now. It's been yeah. so long. Um, but yeah, just don't, don't be cocky and don't be desperate and don't be weird. Like, try to be as normal as <laughs> All you All those things can. are very easy to be. <laughs> <laughs> so he gave me the contact. I did the test and I was freaking out doing the test because it was The Simpsons. I grew up watching it. Um, and you kind of self-sabotage yourself, and uh, but I didn't allow that. I didn't allow my, my fears to interfere with the test, and I put all my heart in it, and I sent it, and, and that was a long wait, but then they called me, we really like your test, so um, we want to hire you. Then I talked about the immigration stuff. I went back to Mexico to take care of that, and... Uh, and yeah, I started working on The Simpsons and what was challenging there is the storyboarding group, they were all directors, but me. So it's really hard to keep up to that, the quality that they're expecting. So I needed to work harder than anybody else to try to achieve the quality they were expecting. Um, then, I mean, TV is, is always complicated and sometimes there's a lot of movement. So a lot of people came back, uh, a lot of veterans. So either, either I move to the layout department um, to stay employed there or, or should I leave? So yeah. I asked for the layout test and, um, and while I was doing it, I could have done it because I, I do have the skills, but 
I chose going back to that teacher, choose what you're best at and and storyboarding, I, I really wanted to focus on it. So um, an opportunity came in American that uh, they were looking for a storyboard artist. So I apply, I did a test and I got hired. So I decided to stay in storyboard rather to move to a different mm -hmm. department because I was in Mexico, you have to, as I mentioned during our previous conversation, in Mexico, the more skills you have, the better because you have to cover a lot of departments. But in the U.S. and Canada, what they want is a specialist. They want you to do one skill very, very, very well. So I didn't want it to be a, um, going back to being a generalist and jumping from one department to another. So I was able to stay in storyboard, which honestly in American, that is a little bit of a combination of layout. So nice. it did help that I studied to do the test on the other side. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I, I was in Fox for about four years and a half in both shows. And then this new opportunity came and uh, of um, the Disney Junior show, Chicken Squad. Wait, wait, wait. Before we talk, I, I just have a Sorry. question about the storyboard test for American Dad and The Simpsons. You said you, said you put your heart into it, but specifically, mm -hmm. what, what does that mean? Like uh, the storyboard test? Before you said you really uh, tried to enhance the story that was being told because your drawing skills weren't up to par. But now that you had more skills and experience, what did did you try to do like everything? Like, does it mean like characters are super on model, the key poses are amazing, the story has like extras in it? Like, what is what is a, a like we're hiring you storyboard test look like? Yeah, well, um, by the time that I was working. Uh, by the time that I was um, testing for The Simpsons, I did have the drawing skills. Um, yeah, after I, I drew a lot after being hired. And uh, I love the characters and they have certain rules to, to be drawn on model. And I had the, the book that tells you those rules. And I knew the show. I really knew the show and I really loved the show. So I knew what type of storytelling they were looking at. They were, um, what, what, what type of show I was applying for in the case of, uh, but you have to follow a script um, different from features and features you participate more in the writing and the story and you change stuff. When you deal with TV, TV animation, especially adult animation, uh, most of the times the writers, they come from the writer's guild and that guild protects their job. And we as an artist, we are not allowed to change the script. Yeah. So whatever they give you, you have to make it work one way or, an or another. So the script they gave me actually was kind of weird, but I found a way to, to make it work. And uh, I knew exactly who the characters were. So I focused a lot on, on their personalities. And, uh, and because I have a, a traditional animation background, I did a lot of poses and, uh, and I focused a lot of, on the acting. So they really liked it. Yeah. Oh, I was going to ask, you know, you have, a, you mentioned there's a difference between feature and TV where in feature you can, you can work with a story a little bit more. What are other differences like um, that LA producer said, this doesn't look feature. Like what is, what does that mean? Because I hear this a lot, like TV, yes. TV boarding people don't go work on features and feature people don't work on TV. There's like a big difference, but I don't know, like what is that? <laughs> well, now that line is less sharp as it used to be, because now we have widescreen TVs. So 
now we don't have the four by three type of TVs and now Netflix and uh, HBO and all this network, they, they have changed the way we tell TV. So there are TV shows that they look like movies now. And uh, basically what they're telling you uh, that this is to TV and this is to, uh, and we look for features is they, they want it more cinematic, meaning they want to see, they don't want the shots to be that tight. They don't want the shots to be very symmetrical. Um, they want it like more open, open space. And uh, honestly, a good trick is just to put um, black lines on top of the, the bottom and that will make it wider. And all of a sudden it looks cinematic, although mm -hmm. it's kind of TV, but that does work. Um, it's really, you when you apply for any job you have to really know who who's your client yeah. and what do they want even if it's a new show or a new movie you really have to ask as many questions as you can so you can understand what they're looking for so you can aim for that um, but i mean american dad it's a quote-unquote flat show and that's what they want and if you deliver, and I've seen people deliver these crazy shots to show off that they have the skills to do it, but that's not the show. So yeah. they don't get hired because they are delivering something completely different. So yeah, it's really understanding what they want. Gotcha. That, that makes a lot of sense. And thanks for clarifying I, I, I can totally picture what it means to be more cinematic with your shots versus tight and symmetrical for TV. Mm -hmm. um, so sorry continue where you left off from, from American Dad <laughs> um, yeah well now now I'm on um, I mean I, I was in Fox for four and a half years and now I'm on um, after now I'm um, I'm a permanent resident finally it took me six years to get the green card so now I'm able to move around which I couldn't also I lost a lot of jobs in between there were some studios that they wanted to hire me but uh, at the end when we reached the conversation of the visa they were like ah, yeah we, we can't do that yeah. so I let go a lot of opportunities of a lot of projects that they were quite cool but uh, I mean it was what it was. And, uh, but now I really love the show that I'm working on. It has so much heart and it's so fun to work in. And also it's, it's a challenge because it's a difference. I've been working, I came to LA to work on a CG movie and then I moved to 2D TV that is still hand-drawn. And now I'm going back to a CG, now to a CG show that it the difference between a movie and a show is on a TV show, you have to kind of recycle locations or you have to know, like, uh, like for example, The Simpsons, although it's 2D, you know what the house is and how, how the kitchen looks and how the dining room looks and, and where each character has its room. And so you have to know the map of the house. In CG is the same it's even harder because you can't cheat. In, in 2D, you, you can stretch things, you can add stuff. In CG, you have to work with the assets that you have. So you have to be smart about it. So it was kind of a, not learning because I, I already knew CG, but it's just rewiring your brain again to tell a kid's story versus an adult story. And you have to be more clear for for children than you are with adults and, um, and to understand how this world works. 
um, but it's been a lot of fun. Like I really, I really love it. And I'm working with so talented people that I admire. So I, I feel very lucky. I don't know how long this is going to be, um, but so far um, today I'm happy and we'll see after this. Uh, well, I think it's amazing your whole journey and how far you've come. And I feel very proud of you. You, you know, you, you were very driven and, and you said, you know, you had a lot of desperation, but it came across to me as kind of confidence and pursuing what you want. And sorry, my question about the CG right now, are you still drawing the storyboards by yes. hand? Okay. So you have to be pretty particular in how the measurements, I guess, in how it relates to what the actual assets are in CG land. Well, in 2D, there's a draw on model, um, like mantra. And it is very important because now it's normally animated. Uh, the USA, uh, is, there's very little animation here. Mostly it's going to go overseas. So folks normally send it to Korea to two or three different studios. And you have to be very clear. And if you draw off model, it's going to come back off model. So you have to be very, very picky and they are very, very picky. In CG, it's not that important to draw on model because you have the models, like you already have the puppets, the CG puppets, but it is very important, the sizes, because I can make a storyboard that, yeah, it looks cool, but then when it hits the layout department, they can't match what I did because maybe, I don't know if the character is holding a piece of paper, maybe that piece of paper was supposed to be three times the size. Mm. And if I don't do that, then how are they going to place the camera and you're going to run into trouble? So you have to be um, a little bit precise with the sizes, not so much the, the, the characters, but also the expressions, they have to be clear. Um, you have to pick and choose. What I focus on is on the expressions, like the body can be a little bit rough, but as long as you have the eyebrows, the eyes and the mouth kind of clean, it's enough. Um, but the sizes and the perspective is very, very important, no matter what media you use. I, I also, that that's really informative, thank you. Um, I, you explained it in a very visual way too, so it helps me. Um, I'm also, you mentioned before, you know, in Mexico, you have to be a generalist to survive as an animator versus specialist, but it almost sounds like you've become a generalist within a specialty, like you can do kids, you can do TV, you can do feature, you can do adults, like CG, <laughs> etc. So I, I mean, obviously, you've chosen one path. Um, what do you think would have happened if you got that layout job on, Amer on um, American Dad instead of, or was it The Simpsons, American Dad? instead of um, choosing storyboard? Um, I will probably still be there. Um, I think I've met two type of, I think the artists, you can divide them in two, the ones that they want the, the steady job and the ones that are crazy enough to keep struggling like myself. Um, I think I would have left at some point um, I mean, having a, a five, uh, a nine to five type of job and, and steady and, uh, you know, uh, your health insurance and, and being able to pay your bills and your mortgage is fine. But I left everything in Mexico to pursue my career. Um, the other day I went to the dentist and, uh, I, I was a new patient and they told me to fill out like the my nearest relative and I left that blank 
and they came back and they told me, why didn't you fill this up? I was like, because my nearest relative is my sister and she's in Mexico. Uh, she's in North Mexico, but she's still another different country. Do you want that? And then she went ask and she said, oh no, that's fine. And I realized, yeah, I'm, I'm here by myself yeah. um, because I'm, I'm doing what I love and I chose my career. And if I do the same thing every day without feeling that I'm, if I don't feel that I'm learning or growing or, or something, I feel that I'm going backwards, but that's just me. Um, I met, I have so many friends that they, they've already, um, they already retired because they had such a steady job at Fox that they, now they are enjoying their, their retirement and they're very happy. Um, but it's, it's up to everybody. Like we're all different. Do you, can you reflect on, cause you, you mentioned sacrifice and, you know, coming from a different country, being away from your family, being alone in America. Can you reflect on the things you've had to sacrifice to pursue this very strong passion that you have for animation and story? Um, well, my, my mom, definitely. Um, now she has changed. Um, in the beginning, she wanted me to fail and she was honest to tell me that she wanted me to fail. So her baby will come back home. Same thing with my dad. I guess, uh, I guess that's a good, a sweet sentiment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> but they, you, even, you, here. <laughs> you know, even my dad, when I, when I was going to board the plane to go to BFS, the first time he told me it's okay to quit. And I'm like, hell no, it took me two years to save the money. I'm not quitting. And he gave a big talk with me, like you're wasting your money and 2D is dead, but it's your money, do whatever you want with that. Like he really didn't want me to pursue it because he knew at least back then, there was no future in Mexico for me. Yeah, yeah. So now the industry has changed in Mexico a little bit since I moved to LA. Um, but obviously, it's, it's still not Hollywood and Disney and Warner's. Uh, you only have that here. Um, but um, yeah, I I even sacrificed a, a relationship I had. Um, I dated that guy for 15 years and, um, and we were together and it didn't work out. So I, I tried, but, um, he wanted something else. He wanted like a housewife, which I'm not. And, uh, and that was one other of the sacrifices, but to be honest, I'm very cool right now. I, I have a boyfriend that supports me a lot. Like he's, he's my champion and he, um, he, he also comes from animation. He's a writer. And uh, I show him sometimes in my story, what do you think? And he gives me good feedback. He actually gave me feedback to come here. Um, we were friends before. Um, but uh, yeah, that was one of, the, one of the biggest sacrifices to leave that relationship. But it also taught me that there's something better. Like if there is something is not working for you, don't be afraid for change. Mm. And something better will come up. Um, People that are in one studio, that are fortunate enough to be in, in one studio for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, um, every time that the movie's wrapping up or the show, you don't know if it's going to get renewed, they're freaking out. They're so afraid, like I'm going to lose my job. And, and another thing, if you stay in one place, you get um, normally, depending on the contract, you will get a raise every year. So if you leave, you need to get a pay. Normally, you will need to get a pay cut. Or if the show gets canceled, whatever next gig you get is not going to be the same amount of money. 
So people get really afraid. And there are artists that they can only draw Simpsons or they can only draw American, that, that they can't draw anything else or they can't tell a story in a different way. Being um, uh, a generalist in Mexico, I think it also shaped me, as you say, to be able to move from one thing to another. So I can jump back and from from TV to, to feature and from uh, a TV type of staging to more cinematic and I like it I like the change I I don't like being bored um I really like what you said about if you are kind of unhappy where you are don't be afraid of change because things things can get better what gives you the courage to make a decision that goes along the right path to making a change towards what you want we we all know what we want and honestly you just need to be honest with yourself when i was um doing the layout test that i never finished um i was staring at my monitor all day because i really didn't want to do it and i asked myself okay let's imagine that i finished the test let's imagine that i got the job am i happy or not and i knew the answer another technique i read in one book was um if you don't know what way to choose, um, pay attention to your body. Like imagine that you get option A. How is your body? How is your body reacting? Is it tight or is it just uh, relaxed? Now think on the other option and you will know. Like we all know, it's just that we lie to ourselves most of the time and we're afraid. We're all afraid. A lot of the time, like for me, I have to remember to do, I, I, I often... I like doing the first option you suggestion where I kind of project the path that happens if the option A happens and am I happy? But sometimes I get so caught up in what I'm doing, I don't even bother to think about doing that. And I just feel anxious about what's happening in the, in the moment. So, um, well, uh, you have to, I focus on my day to day work to yeah. be honest. And sometimes my boyfriend is like, you, you should start looking for another job because you don't know when this one is going to end. It's like, yeah, yeah, let, let me finish the deadline. Like, obviously what's more important, focus on that first. Like I, I, I focus on my day job every day on most of the time. And then if I have extra time, then I focus on, on the future. But I mean, your day to day, if you're happy, just focus there. It's fine. What you're doing is fine. So let me ask you, what is kind of the ultimate dream, I guess I, I could ask of you, because you said you have the best of both worlds right now. You have story and animation, a mix of both. You're working on exciting things, learning every day. You know, you've come so far, sacrificed so much and accomplished a lot. And I think that's amazing. So what, what is there something that you still want to progress towards? Yeah, back in the day, if you asked me this years ago, it would have been being a feature to the animator because I just loved it and I loved the paper and I loved animated on paper Um, but that's pretty much gone Uh, there's some people that they still do it but it's not what I dreamed about Um, now I because I'm good with story and just like my classmates approach me to to push their stories some professionals here, like previous directors or writers, they have told me, you're very good at story. You should write your own stories. So right now I have a project that I'm, well, I have like three, but I have one that is my baby. <clears throat> so I'm researching about it and I'm, I'm writing the characters and I'm 
um, I want to pitch it and with some luck, I will be able to sell it. If I don't sell it for TV, then I can make a graphic novel. If not, I will make uh, picture books. Um, but the ultimate goal is to keep telling stories. And as long as I can hold a pencil, like that's, I, I want to keep doing stuff. Keep telling stories as long as I can hold a pencil. I love it. Yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned if I asked you this years ago, you would have said to animate on a 2D feature film. Yes. W what happens if a 2D feature film that fits your dream pops up? Like why, I, why limit your dream to what is kind of a reality in the industry versus what you originally wanted to do? originally wanted. Right now, I think I'm too old for that dream. No, yeah, no, I mean, I'm too rusty, like to be a good 2D animator is years of years of practice. Uh, I wish I honestly, I wish somebody picks that up and bring the veterans and train new generation and because it's a beautiful media. I mean, uh, France still has it some parts of Euro Europe and Japan, obviously, they still do it. Um, but I just love those classic Disney 2D. I just love them. Um, so I think, a, what about a movie like Klaus that came out last? Oh, I love it. Um, because, you know, there are people trying very hard to make a resurgence in 2D. Yes. Honestly, I think I, I will still stick on story. Yeah. Like, uh, it's just because I'm better at, at it. And I see the animators and... I wish I could animate that way, but I can't. Or maybe I could if I put all my effort to it. But I've, it's been so many years that I, I have really pushed to be a better filmmaker, a better storyteller, writer, storyboard artist, that um, my skills have just switched in a different path. And I'm happy. I, I really love what I do. So I don't, I don't think I missed anything. Gotcha. Did you ever, throughout your career or even just since you were seven or nine years old, whenever you started this path, feel like giving up? Or did you reach a point where you were very close to giving up? Because there's so many obstacles in your way. You know, you come from a different country, your family kind of supported you in a way they didn't want you to, <laughs> to pursue. You had to give up like relationships, years of your yeah. time, money, et cetera. Like, how did you not, what kept you from giving up? Um, quite honestly, it was so unreal for me to achieve it that I don't know, it's not that I didn't give up. It's just like, I thought I was never going to make it, to be honest. Until this day, I still feel that I'm just like grabbing it with my fingernails, that I still feel that everything can fall apart one day or another. I mean, even with the, the seat, with the, uh, with the green card and everything, now that gives me a little bit of a breather. But uh, there's always, I always have the anxiety that, that I can screw up and everything can fall apart. Uh, why I didn't give up? Um, I almost gave up because of the relationship I have the, the, with the, my previous partner um, because he wanted something else and I, I almost gave it up, but I was miserable. I was totally miserable and I ended up in a crisis like what what am I going to do with my life after spending all these years and time and money pursuing this one thing should I give that up and it was a very stupid stupid idea um but um 
it's um it's really the the love it's it's part of who i am so how can you give up of, of somebody that that you are maybe you can detour a little bit uh, a friend of mine that is in the uk i just recently spoke with him and he didn't do animation for three years but now he he working very very cool projects uh it's okay to detour if you're tired another friend of mine she was a director on the simpsons and she i think she stopped working two years two or three years because she was fried she was working nonstop. She was completely fried. And it, it's okay sometimes to take a break, take a break and, and live life. Uh, Glenn King was also tired and, and he had a trip to France. And uh, it happens to all of us that it's, it's fine. It, it doesn't have to do, be every single day. But as long as you know that you're going to go back on track, if you still want it, um, there's people that probably they lose interest. I just, I just, love it i really do well i love that um i i was kind of reflecting on your journey and uh, i was actually in a conference once it was a business conference where mark animation film unrelated where mark hamill was a keynote speaker right. and he was explaining his career and how he got he got lucky to land luke skywalker the role and his his take on the film industry and acting is it's like spinning a giant wheel uh, thousands and thousands of times, and maybe one time it lands on that lucky spot, but you have to keep spinning it kind of to get to get that luck. What? So I'm like thinking back to your journey, you know, you had that chance meeting with the Shrek producer, the Simpsons guy happened to be standing near you, like those, obviously you're working very, very hard and spending a lot of time and effort and energy and years to get where you were. But those experiences, do you see them as you know, you were pushing to be in the right room at the right place at the right time as often as possible. Versus mm -hmm. if you didn't go to the animation conference, maybe things didn't work out the same. If I didn't go, if I didn't have the courage to show my crappy portfolio on that animation conference, I wouldn't be here today. If I didn't invest my own money and being in debt, uh, trying to hit the, the right spot, I wouldn't be here. Like it was in, I, I gave another talk and they told me, so you gamble and it was a very expensive gamble, but it, it did pay it off. Um, what I will say to, to people out there, I also, as you mentioned, um, Mark Hamill, I've recently listened to um, uh, the break, Breaking Bad actor, Johnson, Ryan. Oh my gosh. Carlston. Brian Carston. Brian Carston. Yeah. Um, he mentioned he really made it until he was 40. And he mentioned, I was like waiter number two. And then when you are Steve, it's like, I, I got a name, I'm Steve. And it was really after years of being a character actor that he really made it. And now he, he gets a lot of opportunities and everybody, he's on demand. But he says, this is, this is hard. And there's a lot of actors that they say, oh, I'm just, I'm going to give it one year. And, and he says, I'm, I'm going to save you that one year. Like you're not going to make it if yeah. you only say one year. I wish I had the possibilities to go to CalArts when I was 18. Like that's something I wish I had, which I didn't. I studied in VFS when I was 24 and I made it 
to after I graduated college and I saved the money and I made it to LA when I was 31. So you can't decide. I wish I had a success story on at a younger age. I feel old. I see a lot of uh, young artists graduating from all these different schools who are so talented. Um, but that was not my path. So don't compare yourself to others. Maybe it's going to take you a little bit longer. I feel that it took longer for me. But at the same time, when I reached it, I was more mature to have it. And I've seen people talking about luck, that they were lucky enough to go to CalArts at 18 and get um, a job straight out of school. And maybe they have the title, but they don't have the skills because they stopped growing because they just said, okay, I went to this or, I mean, so, so many different schools. Um, I, I went to this school and that's it. So I studied and that's it. And no, it's a never ending learning um, type of job you have if you want to be good and if you want to stay competitive. Um, so all the blocks I had at the end just made me a stronger artist today so um yeah uh I really like what you said about or I guess what Brian Cranston said about taking a year to see what happens because I also feel like if you if you take that kind of approach you're not putting all your eggs in one basket because in the back of your mind even if it's not in the front of your mind um you're still relying on whatever it is that you were doing before and you're not relying on that thing you're taking a risk on so you know at the end of the year I can always go back to my other life so what is going to push you to put all your eggs in that one basket to really pursue that thing I'm curious though you know um, you are continuously learning what do you specifically do to enhance your story skills um, well in storyboarding obviously is watching um, a lot of films and a lot of TV. I mean, the, the time that I have left is, is to watch, okay, what's good on TV? What's good? Uh, and you watch it with like a critical eye and take notes and things or, or just to get it in your brain? Both, both. Sometimes I watch it to enjoy it, but you can't really turn off that brain of yours. And, um, and then I, I watch it to study. Uh, watching it to study is completely different, uh, but you know what's good and what's not. And even a good a bad movie you say like how can they made it so bad if everything was there like they had the story already how did how did they did it wrong and I have so many examples that I don't want to get into <laughs> but uh, but you also learn from from bad artists as well like and eh, I'm not going to make that mistake they took the heart away they focus on on the superficial instead of the drama so you start to learn uh, there's plenty of books there's plenty I keep uh, studying classes um, there's so many different artists and for me is if I get one good tip out of each class it's worth it although although I'm going to they're going to teach me the same thing over and over again that I already know but they will tell me you know I approached this in this way or I use this tool like everything helps um I read a lot and uh there's so much out there like even th this podcast they, they're always just listening to the professionals how they approach their um their shows and everything you learn a lot so yeah I staying in in a cocoon by yourself 
nobody is going to come knocking on your door, giving you the opportunity of your dreams on a silver platter. That is not going to happen. I, you have to I'm look for to... it and you have to fight for it and you have to keep being better and better. I'm guilty of having that mentality as I, in my business career, you know, I always in the back of my mind thought, oh, I'm, I love animation. And if somebody gives me the opportunity randomly, I can do really well, but nobody's going to come to a random person that isn't putting out anything and say, here's your opportunity. You need the contacts to make the contacts. You go to networking events or you get, uh, there's people that they don't like that and they get a manager. So they will pay that person 10% of their life forever and ever uh, but they they but you pay for their contacts yeah. uh, there are so many different ways it's just try one thing if it doesn't work try another one and uh, and also be humble um, because there's a there's a lot of cocky people out there and uh, that they feel they're special like honestly to make it understand that you're not special and don't aim for the director position when you're 22 um, you need to get the experience. You need to work with different people. Uh, take any opportunity that comes to you in the beginning because that will lead you to another stop and you will meet people there and those people will lead to an, another job. So just uh, stay active, basically. Nice. I'm, I maybe have one more question kind of based on that. So, you know, how do you know your worth and where you're at in with your skills and and where you're at kind of like you know if you're 18 or 22 or 30 or 40 or whatever and, and you how do you know what that worth you have is because to me you know you study all the time you have all these skills and experience you are very driven like how do you specifically know your worth when you go on a new project or even on your existing project compared to your other colleagues and uh, animation directors or storyboard uh, supervisors? Um, that's a tricky one. In terms of how much to charge, is in terms of money, you can check. In LA, there's the Animation Guild, and you can check the contract. And in the contract, there are the minimum salaries that you have to be paid. So even if you go to a non-union um, studio, you know how much people are, are making out there. So that gives you an idea what, how much at least you have to be making. Hmm. Um, sometimes, uh, for me, is what I'm getting out of the project. Sometimes it's going to be more money, but sometimes it's going to be more knowledge and the people that I work with that is more valuable in the current moment than money. Um, is That's a tough question. Uh, honestly, is to measure if you like the project, if you like the people, if you like the studio, and if you see yourself happy there or not. If you see yourself struggling either by money or by you have a crazy boss um, or they ask you to work on paid overtime, then it's not a good place to be. And if you're miserable, then it's not a good place to be and you have to look for something else. Um, check with yourself. I mean, I know where I'm good at and I know what I'm lacking and I see artists that are better than me and I just aim to be as good as them. 
um, you kind of know with years where you're standing, you know you're better than somebody, but you know there's somebody way better than you. Um, and in terms of money, as long as I'm getting paid fair and what it's on the um, on the contract of the union, I'm, I'm fine. And also I understand that um, every year I make uh, a different amount of money. And, uh, and people that go into directing, they also go back to storyboarding. So sometimes you're going to be jumping from storyboard to director, to producer, to director, to storyboard. So, um, and each one of them, they will pay you differently. But also if you are working as a storyboard artist, with a director that was your mentee, because I've seen that happen, understand that in that particular project, he or she is the director, you're not, although you were a director before. So you have to follow direction, although you disagree with some of their choices. Yeah. Uh, understand, understand what your position is and be humble about it. You will be a director later on, but right now you're a storyboard artist again. So it's, it's complicated. That answer is kind of complex. It's a complicated question. So that's totally fine. Um, is there, as, as we're kind of wrapping up, is there anything else you'd like to share for anybody listening? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, if you are like me that you didn't have the chance to study in the school you wanted, in the time you wanted, just find find your own way and, and you will get somewhere. Um, don't be close-minded. Uh, sometimes the studio is not important. Sometimes the, the name of the studio is not important. Sometimes the project or the people that you work with are more important. Um, don't give up, stay hungry and stay humble. Uh, I think humble, but no, <laughs> again, it's complicated. You have to know your worth, but you don't. But try not to be cocky. But don't let people step over you. Uh, I don't know. Um, try to learn things outside the animation world that makes your mind think differently. That has helped me a lot in business and in meditating and in my life in general. So also um, talk with different type of people, not just your your animation peers. Uh, don't give up. I mean, it's been hard. It's been really hard for me. I still, I feel that it's still hard, um, but I love it. And uh, if you love it as well, just keep, keep pursuing it and don't give up. It's hard. It is hard and it, it will always be hard. And one advice I got when I started is you have to be tough. In this business, you have to be tough. So I'll just pass you that advice as well. I like it. And, and for me, like if something is not hard, then it doesn't feel worth pursuing almost. Um, if it comes doesn't easy, taste then... the same. <laughs> I don't want it. I don't know why. It's not as sweet. Yeah. <laughs> well, th thank you so much for coming on the chat. It's been incredible to hear your journey and all the insights that you've woven into your story along the way. It's been My a pleasure. pleasure, Terry. Yeah. And if you're listening and you want to get in touch with Lila or follow her work, you can do so by checking out her website which is lilastory.com. And I'll include that in the description of this podcast. And thank you so much for listening. That's all for now. Okay, bye.